The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We do have to keep marching on. There's a passage of scripture I want to read for you. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening today, and I ask, send this on to somebody else. Subscribe to the broadcast. These messages are straight from the heart of Jesus. John, the 14th chapter. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. Or literally in the Greek, I am the path and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you are not my words. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say to you that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, paraclete, helper, much better than counselor, helper, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. The disciples are very troubled in their hearts. They're disappointed. I could easily Put, do not let your hearts be disappointed. Disappointment racks our hearts with sorrow. Now, right in the midst of their last supper, and they don't know it's their last supper, but that's what they're being told. The last Passover meal. Judas 
has just gotten up and left. So now there are only 11 disciples with Jesus. It's night. Jesus begins to tell them once more, I'm going to go away. You won't be able to come with me now, but you'll follow me later. Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Oh, what a blow to his heart. Peter, you don't know yourself. You're going to disown me. The word troubled in the Greek, do not let your heart be troubled. It's do not let your heart be stirred up with agitation. Don't lose your place. Know where you stand. It's usually disappointments that cause us to not stand any longer where Jesus has sent us to, to stand. Disappointment is an emotion, and it racks our heart. Disappointment comes out of failed expectations. The disciples expected Jesus to establish his kingdom and kick the Roman army out. He was the Messiah. Their expectation was that he would remain with them, that he would not leave them. They had left their families, they'd left their businesses, they'd left everything to follow after Jesus. And now he's telling them, it's over, boys. I'm leaving. What? We followed you Three years we've been totally given to you, and now you're telling us you're leaving us? What are we going to do? All of their expectations were dashed. And so Jesus begins to speak this very strong but comforting word to them. Do not let your hearts be agitated. Don't let your hearts be stirred up. Don't lose your place of standing. Don't let your hearts be disappointed. Trust in God. That is, you trust in God. It's a command. You trust in God. Don't give up your trust. You don't understand how everything is working. Some of you today, been in touch with me after yesterday's broadcast and you're very disappointed things have not worked out the way you thought they should work out you're not making the money you think you should make you have you have great disappointments in your heart because of children or a spouse a wife or a husband your heart's disappointed that they have turned away from Jesus, or they have turned away from you, and you're saying, how am I going to survive? They're gone. They deserted me. They left. How do I survive? And Jesus says to you, 
Don't let your heart be troubled. That's a, that's a hard word. But he doesn't just leave it there. He then says, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to meet your expectations. I'm going to take you to be where I am. How do we how do we get there, Jesus? Well, I'm the path. Now, you know exactly what I'm going to say, but let me say it and let it sink into your heart. There is no other way except through Jesus. There is no other path except Jesus. There's no other path for that job that you want. There's no other path for that relationship you want. There is no other path for anything you want in your life other than this man, Jesus Christ. He is life. There is nothing outside of Jesus that counts. In Jesus are found the wisdom of the ages. In Jesus are found all of the treasures our heart might desire. Jesus is everything. Now, he also says to them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. They're feeling deserted. Probably the greatest disappointments that can happen in our lives are when someone that we dearly love leaves us. I think back to May. May 10, 2010. 10 o'clock in the morning. My precious wife took her last breath. As I held her, she slipped into eternity. I rejoice that she's with Jesus. I rejoice for the time, the 20 plus years I shared with her. I rejoice in even knowing her in high school and loving her. She was a treasure to my heart, faithful and true, walking with me and Jesus, walking through some of the hardest experiences. I rejoice that I had her in my life. But there's also, if I'm not careful, a great disappointment that wells up in my heart because she's gone. We always said, Jesus stands between us. That means he had first call on her life, not me. And Jesus wanted to take her home and spare her any more suffering. She had over 40 surgeries in her life. 
she'd had cancer. Twenties. Her life had been a miraculous demonstration of the power of God to carry her through the most painful and difficult times. Jesus took her home. How do we deal with the disappointment? Because no matter what you say, when she goes, I'm alone. So how do I deal with that? I'll tell you how I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it by going to Jesus. I think I cried every day the next month after she passed. And then the sunshine would come out and I'd say, Lord, thank you for the time to grieve, but oh God, thank you that she's with you and she's safe. No more suffering. These great disappointments that come into our hearts have to be held in perspective. Disappointment lead to bitterness and anger. I've had disappointments in my life since then as well. I have been deserted or cut off, judged. We all have. That's the common life experience. The only way I know to deal with that is to be hidden in Jesus and to walk clean in Jesus and to rejoice in his love and his mercy. Now, part of what I have not had in my life not at the level I've needed is this precious counselor he promised, the spirit of truth. Where Jesus says, I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And that's true in my life. I am in Jesus, and he is in me. But I've not received that baptism of the Holy Spirit that goes beyond the personal experience into the effectiveness in bringing salvation to the lost. So I've had the presence of the Holy Spirit as a comforter to my heart. And Jesus is everything to me. But I'm now crying aloud for that counselor, that helper to come. for the power and the purity to proclaim the gospel in such a way that men and women's hearts are turned toward heaven and toward Jesus. There's a, a story I want to share with you. It's found in the book of Acts. It's a very painful story. A righteous man by the name of Stephen has just been murdered. A group of men bitterly angry at him because of what he teaches about Jesus has just stoned him to death. 
Now there's great sorrow in the hearts of the of the righteous. And men have come and gathered up his body and and buried him with great weeping. But now this young man, this scholar by the name of Saul, who is a member of Sanhedrin, he sees that Christians can be destroyed. Followers of the way. And so Saul begins now trying to utterly destroy the church, the body of Christ. He's, he's gotten permission to enter into the houses and to drag men and women and children out of their homes and haul them off to prison. And he has soldiers with him. And now suddenly, the fist of the Jewish rulers comes down on top of the, of the church. This may be between 10 and 15 years into the ministry of the church, and the church has grown by thousands. And the Jewish leadership has finally said, look, we have to stop this, and we're going to kill them. We're going to murder them. We're going to execute them. And so families are being ripped apart. They're being jailed. They're being sentenced to death. And so many people did what people always do when this kind of persecution comes. When it comes in one place, Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet. Go to another place. So one of the deacons, because of all of this, in chapter 8 of the book of Luke, I'm sorry, the book of Acts, written by Dr. Luke, he said, Philip, having gone down to the city of Samaria, was preaching Christ to them. He was preaching the Messiah to the Samaritans. Now remember, Jesus went to the Samaritans by the well. The woman at the well came and he told her everything she'd done and he offered her living water. But he didn't give her any living water because he'd not yet been glorified. So he couldn't give her the living water yet. The living water is the Holy Spirit. Here comes this man, Philip. a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a deacon in the church. Everyone was paying attention because Philip, under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, for he had received the Holy Spirit in power. I don't know, maybe he was one of the 120. We don't know who he was. But unclean spirits, as he would come and speak the word of God over them, unclean spirits would leave with screaming sounds. People who were paralyzed and crippled, they were healed. And so this city, it says, had great joy because of the deliverance the blood of Jesus Christ was bringing to them. The oppression of Satan 
was being broken in their city. Now there was a, a certain man in this city. His name was Simon. He had been an occultic magic worker. He would do magic tricks, astonishing the people of Samaria, and he would then claim that he was someone great. This man, they said, is the great power of God. They didn't know who God was. They didn't know what God they were talking about. But they said he had to be of God because how could he do these tricks? They were paying attention to him because he astonished them with his magic. I remember I went to a magic show many years ago. I wouldn't go today. But I went to this magic show and the man on the stage took a skillet, put it on a little burner stove, turned it on. And then he took a little oil and poured in that pan. Someone had looked at the pan and the lid and examined everything and there was nothing there. So he took two duck eggs and he cracked them into that hot skillet and you could hear the sizzle as they hit and as they began to cook. So he said, let's put the lid on. So he put the lid on that hot skillet. He said, well, let's see if they're done yet. And he picked the lid up off that hot skillet and two ducks flew out. And then he lifted the skillet up and showed us it was empty. There were no duck eggs there. I remember as I saw that, my heart trembled because I knew I had just watched Satan do something incredible. Everybody was clapping and ooing and awing caused me to think back to my dad. Next time I visited home, I, I told my dad about this experience. And he said to me, well, Raymond, when I was a young man, a boy, maybe 10 or 11, I saw a magician and I decided I wanted to be a magician. So he said, my brother and I went to visit the magician. He lived in our town close to where we were. He said he brought us into his house and he gave us each a little tub of water and a skillet. And he said, now, I want you to scrub this skillet clean. He said the skillet was dirty. So he scrubbed it clean and he held it up for the magician to see, and the magician said, no, no, that's not clean yet. Scrub it some more. So he scrubbed that skillet even more. He could see nothing in it that was dirty, but he kept scrubbing that skillet. He said he scrubbed it until his hand hurt. And finally, he lifted it up to the magician, and he said, sir, is this 
skillet clean enough? And the magician said, If you want to be a magician, your heart is going to have to be scrubbed of Jesus and be as clean of him as that skillet is clean. He said, you cannot serve Jesus and be a magician. It frightened my dad and his brother, and they quickly left, saying, we don't want to be magicians, sir. Because they suddenly discovered that to be a magician was to serve the dark order, the demonic, the occult. This man served the dark order. He was an occultist. He was completely separate from God. He proposed himself as someone great, and people believed him. And they were astonished by his tricks, by his magic. But then Philip came. And Philip was preaching concerning the kingdom of God. And he was announcing that the kingdom of God is now among us. That is, the divine authority of the great God has come among us through his son, Jesus Christ. He preached Jesus Christ to them. Jesus, the Messiah, he preached to them. Many were baptized, making that covenant that they would serve this Jesus. Both men and women were baptized. Simon himself also believed in this Jesus, and he also was baptized. And he began following Philip around wherever he went, seeing the miracles and signs coming to pass. And he was absolutely astonished. Now the apostles in Jerusalem, they heard that Samaria had accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and that there were large numbers of people who had been baptized. And so Peter and John are sent by the church to go down to Samaria. Now what they discovered when they got there was that the believers in Samaria had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now how did they know that? I don't know. They somehow could tell that there was something not right about these new believers. I don't know if it was that they were not moving out quickly and proclaiming the gospel to other people, because everywhere the Holy Spirit came in power, the first response of those who received the Holy Spirit was to go and proclaim the gospel with power to the pagan, to the non-Christian, to, to those who didn't know, and they would be converted. Great power was there. It was evident. But these... These believers who were baptized in water, they saw immediately that they had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know why they were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is only conjecture. 
some conjecture was that they did not want a separate Samaritan church to be birthed that would be separate as the Samaritans were separate from the Jews. So the Jewish brothers came to pray over the Samaritans and demonstrate that there was total unity between the believers, that no longer being a Jew or a Samaritan mattered to them. I don't know what the I don't know what the issue was. It doesn't tell us in the scripture. But immediately, Peter and John begin to lay their hands on these disciples of Jesus, people who had been baptized in water. And they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And of course, upon receiving the Holy Spirit, they're moving out in power. Now Simon, he sees that by the laying on of hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given. Now, he still has in his heart a desire to be someone great. He still has in his heart a desire for people to acknowledge him and look up to him. He sees that when the apostles lay their hands on people, not when, not when the deacon laid his hands on. Now, in other places, the deacon does lay his hands, and they do receive. But in this instance, it didn't happen. So Simon offers to buy with money the ability to lay hands on people and have them filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, you give me this authority also that on whom I may lay the hands he may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter was angry about this. He said, May your silver perish with you, because you thought to obtain the gift of God with money. There is to you neither part nor share in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Therefore you must repent, because of this wickedness of yours, and pray God if perhaps the intent of your heart will be removed for you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. The gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity always go together. The, the gall of bitterness comes out of disappointment. Disappointment can bring great bitterness of soul. Simon wanted to be acknowledged as someone important. He wanted recognition. He wanted to be successful. And if he can buy the success, what's wrong with that? He doesn't understand that this is not who Jesus is. And maybe they didn't receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit because Simon had to be exposed. He was later to go on and bring great suffering to the body of Christ. He started his own religion, the Simonites. 
he combined his wicked theology with the Gnostics in teaching that a Christian is a man who can sin against God and he's still saved. We have those Gnostics and those Simonites even among us today cleaned up but still teaching the same horrible air that Jude had to write so strongly against. How did he get here? I suggest to you that it started with bitter disappointments. That he didn't have the money he wanted. He didn't have the recognition he lusted after. He didn't have the power that he desired to have. Why? Back to you and me. The disciples were very troubled when Jesus told them that he was leaving. They were even more troubled and disappointed when Jesus died on Calvary. All of their hopes and dreams crashed. There was no way possible that they could continue to move forward and you would expect them to go fishing, and that's exactly what Peter did. He went fishing. But Jesus came back and spent 40 days with the disciples and with those he'd chosen, opening the scriptures and helping them to understand that everything, everything is to be found in the person and work of Jesus, that he is everything. There is nothing outside of him. And that he was not leaving them as orphans. As I share this message, I, I feel in my spirit the disappointment of many of you who are listening. Oh, you manage, you keep carrying on, you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, but there is a, a well of discouragement. There is a cloud of disappointment over your life. It's been there for a long time. You don't know how to get rid of it. You don't know how to remove it. Can I tell you? You can't. This is a cloud that can only be moved by Jesus. It's a, a deep well of disappointment in your heart about your life, about what's happened to you, about the trouble you've had to face, about those who have left you, about those who have scorned you, about those who have robbed you, stolen from you, lied about you, about jobs that you were not able to get, about work that you were not able to win, about money that you don't have so you can't take that vacation, or you can't buy that house. Or as one man said, I can't adopt a child because my wife and I don't have money. 
were in the service of God. Whoa! There's only one answer for these great disappointments in our heart and in our life. And those answers are found in Jesus Christ. Those answers are found by bringing this gall of bitterness before Jesus and confessing every disappointment and recognizing that all you want is the will of Jesus. If you don't do that, what you will do is you will go into the bond of iniquity. You will go into the bond of iniquity where you will begin to sin against the Lord. You will begin to comfort your heart with wicked things that you should not be comforting your heart with. Whether it's the drugs or the smoking or the fornication or the pornography or the food, becoming a food glutton, becoming very heavy because you're so disappointed and you comforted yourself with the ice creams and the cakes and the... I know about that. I've done the same. I'm too heavy. And I am carefully, in the name of Jesus, monitoring everything I eat. No sugar. Cutting down on carbohydrates. Why? Because I want Jesus. I know what disappointments do to us. I know the despair they can bring to us. I know the heartache they can bring to us. Some of you are living in a marriage where you're just mates. Did you know that can change? But it can only change through Jesus. And the bitter anger of your heart has to be confessed and broken at the cross of Jesus Christ. The accusations, the judgments. Part of what happens as the Holy Spirit begins to move into a person's life as Jesus begins to take up more and more residence in your life, in your heart, there is a compassion that begins to come into your heart. There is a, a kindness that begins to flow out of your heart. The anger is taken away. Oh, it's not repressed. It's not jammed down. It's taken away. It's removed by the blood of Jesus. He takes it from us. Simon, verse 24, having answered, said, You please pray to the Lord for me, that nothing of the things which you have mentioned may come upon me. What a strange request. Pray for me that none of these things will come. No, they're already on you, brother. Don't you have eyes to see? Don't you have eyes to see how the disappointment has curdled your heart 
And now you're so angry and so cynical, so bitter. The gall of bitterness has come upon you, and now probably the bond of iniquity is also beginning to grasp your heart. Part of what I shared with you yesterday, when I said, Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you, don't quit. Well, as we begin to allow the disappointment to mount in our hearts, we finally say, this is hopeless. I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. And then the bond of iniquity begins to shape its chains around our heart. I know people like this. Almost every word out of their mouth is criticism of someone else. They don't want to be generous. They don't want to give. They want to cling. They want to grab. Everything is about them and what they want. They won't humble their hearts before God. I'm calling you today your heart before God. Recognize that all of these troubles and disappointments that fill your heart and mind have all come because of your expectations. And expectations, if they're not grounded in Jesus, will surely come back and bite us. I expect my daughter to act this way. I expect my wife to behave in this way. I expect my boss to treat me this way and to pay me this amount of money. All of these expectations harden into disappointment. A person said to me, I'm going to have it my way. The old crooner song, I did it my way. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it Jesus' way. And I'm coming now pleading with you as a brother and as a sister. If your heart is troubled today, if you are filled with resentment and, and anger because you've not gotten your way, humble your heart today. Stop being penny-pincher. Stop being exacting with people. Stop demanding your way. Let Jesus come into your heart and open such a generous and kind spirit. This is so important. I know the word of God to you today is, Don't let the gall of bitterness take your heart and make you hard and angry and demanding. One person I know, they always went to work right at the exact moment. And I said to them, look, why don't you go in 10 minutes early, even 15 minutes early, just to orient yourself and to talk with people. And, and this person said, no, 
they're not paying me for that extra 10 or 15 minutes. And if they want me to come early, they can pay me. Whoa! Person is caught in the gall of bitterness. It's not pretty. It's ugly. It's wrong. It's sin. Demanding my rights. Demanding it go my way. No flowing compassion. No generosity of heart. Grabbing what they want. And angrily cutting others off. That is the gall of bitterness and it leads directly into the bond of iniquity. They can't be separated. Once the gall of bitterness begins to establish itself in a man's heart, Five minutes. he cannot hear the word of God. I'm pleading with you today, if your heart is troubled, if you're dealing with some great disappointment, take it to Jesus. Lay it before his throne and ask him to deal with your heart. Ask him to cover your heart with his mercy and his grace. Don't become, I want to say a penny pincher, but it's more than that. It's, it's a controller. It's a demand that it work out my way, and I want every detail, and this is how it has to be. That's sin before God. That's sin before God. So today I come. Simon left. He broke his baptismal vow. He started his own religion. I'll tell you the really funny, sad story of his ending that's in church literature, extra-biblical literature. It's that when Rome... Peter was in Rome, and this Simon, the magician, said he could fly and demonstrate that his power was greater than Peter's as they were before Caesar. And so he was flying high above, and Peter simply got on his knees and prayed, O God, take away his power. And the power was removed, and he fell down, broke his legs, and then died. Now, I don't know if that's true. It's a, you know, some of these old legends. But what is said is true. That when a man flies in his own power, when a woman flies in her own power, with her own demands and her own expectations, sooner or later, God will remove that power from you and you will fall. And you will die. Today is the day of salvation for you. Bring your, your sorrow. Bring your disappointments. Bring your troubles to Jesus and lay it out before him. And submit to Jesus. And ask that his will be done. I want the will of Jesus Christ in my life. 
And I know it is the will of Jesus to baptize Two me minutes. in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Stand waiting for that baptism. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to just report quickly. A brother made a contribution for the radio of $500 yesterday, about 10.30 before the broadcast. I found it after the broadcast. I want to thank you, David. I want to ask, would you help also? We're still $3,000 short of having our goal. Would you help? Would you step in? You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I don't have transportation, so I won't go to the post office yet, but soon I'll go and check and see what has come, what the Lord has moved in your heart to do. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or go online to nationalprayerchapel.com and you can give online. I pray this message has been helpful to you today. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. God bless you. I love you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel.